It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is Graham Russell from Air Supply, and the group recently celebrated its 5,000th concert, which took place here in Las Vegas. Their new album, Lost in Love Experience, recorded with the Prague Symphony, has kicked off their Air Supply Lost in Love Experience tour, bringing them to the Orleans showroom May 24th through the 26th at 8 p.m. For ticket information, go to orleanscasino.com, and for everything about Air Supply, go to airsupplymusic.com. And Graham, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ira. Nice to be here and nice to be speaking with you. There's been so much discussion about how Air Supply got its name, and I always thought because of the two of you, it really should have been Graham Russell, Russell Hitchcock. You know, it just had that We kind thought of about thing. that. We, know, <laughs> we thought of uh, uh, Graham Russell Hitchcock and, and all those kind of ones, but we actually got the name. And Well, we, we had a record coming out in 1976, and we didn't have a name. And uh, so the record company said, well, we need one by tomorrow morning. So we decided whoever had the best name the, mo- the next morning we would go with. And that night I had a dream in which I saw a giant billboard that was totally white with flashing lights all on the perimeter. And on the center of the billboard were two words in big black bold letters, and it said air supply. So I, I told Russell about that, and we had to go with it because he didn't have any other suggestions, you know. So that's how it came about. And the rest is history. I know people talk about your relationship with Russell Hitchcock, and I do want to touch on it, but I'm also intrigued about prior to your relationship with him because you guys met yeah. in 1973. But how did you develop an interest in music to begin with, including you know, writing of music? How did that all begin? Well, it, it started very early for me. You know, I had a a very tragic loss in my family when I was 10 years old and, and it had an, a really emotional impact on me being so young. And, and I didn't speak to anyone for quite some time, uh, several weeks. And I used to write things down because I was so verklempt, if you like. And uh, Perfect I started word. to write things down. <laughs> and then I started to play a, a guitar that I came across. And, and that's how I started to write songs. So I, I was 11 years old when I started to write songs, which is very young, but I didn't know anything about it and I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I kept doing that until I saw the Beatles in 1964 uh, and that changed everything for me. Then I figured out that I was on some kind of path, but but that it was also okay to be writing all these words down and, and these melodies. And then... I, I put it together when I saw the Beatles and I went from there and I'd just been writing ever since. I write every every day if something towards a song, you know, lyrics or a bit of music. And I, it's become like a challenge to me now. So it's part of my life and I do it all the time. So it's like a daily habit in that sense. It really is. It's like, uh, you know, uh, people that do yoga in the morning and night, which I do too. It, it becomes a habit and I, I, want, I always want to push myself so it's become part of my daily routine to sit down and to at least think about lyrics or words or poems, because I write a lot of poetry, too. So 
I do that every day and uh, I'm very conscious about being able to do it and I push myself and and I I really enjoy it. I enjoy the challenge and I enjoy being pushed to the edge and I like to push myself to the edge and really be creative all the time and it really works for me. It's it's very much a regimentation of something. You yes, know? definitely a discipline but one that's a creative discipline. Yeah, and I think that's important you know, for musicians and for songwriters, it's, you must be, have a discipline. You know, I don't want to, I mean, music is my career and I owe it a lot. And so I treat it with great respect and try and be as good as I can be and be a better songwriter than I am now. Tomorrow I'll be a better one, I hope, you know. Because of the nature of the childhood experience and you started writing things down before communicating verbally for a long time, Yeah, I'm making the assumption, and correct me if I'm wrong, that a lot of what you wrote down in terms of songs were emotional. Yeah, they were. Um, you know, well, the incident that happened, what it was, I lost my mother when I was 10 years old, and I didn't know that she was ill. And she died from cancer, so it was a big, sudden shock to me one morning. And emotionally, it just tore me to shreds because we were very close. And I think it was just my way of dealing with that, those emotions being 10 years old. I mean, it's very young, and you don't know how to deal with things. You don't know what's happening to you. And it was my way of dealing with it, of writing everything down and to see it on paper. And uh, I think that's certainly why most of my songs are very emotional songs. And a lot of them are about love. And, and I think maybe because that was denied me in such an early, at such an early age that now I have to write about it and... Uh, but it's a great topic, nevertheless. I mean, I couldn't think of anything more interesting to be writing about than, than that, than love and emotions. And now it's made me a stronger person, a more sensitive person in my adult and certainly late adult years. You know, sure. I like to think so anyway. Well, the fact that you're able to express yourself, even if it was in that context, meaning you weren't sharing verbally with anybody. Obviously, in those days, you weren't seeing a counselor or getting grief counseling or even dealing with a, the major impact of your mom dying. But the fact that you were able to get it out on paper was yeah. a safety valve for you and then became part of you. And that's how yes. a lot of the creativity comes from, clearly. Uh, absolutely. And I think it was a safety valve. Had I not had that idea to write things down, uh, I don't know what I would have done. I think in those in other situations, people turn to maybe turn to violence or drugs or something or, or try to figure out what's going on. But my reaction to it was, it was quite calm on the outside, but inside it was incredible turmoil that I had to deal with. But you're right, there was no counseling in those days and certainly not in England. And there was nobody to talk to about it that had any knowledge. So I had to figure it out myself. And I couldn't go to anyone to, to find out how to deal with it. So I went into myself and that's the end result was I became uh, a songwriter because that, and so every song I write is really another expression of that grief and that turmoil that I faced when I was so young. And I think that's why I, you know, my songs are like they are the way they are, you know, and then of course, growing up with the Beatles was an added incentive to me because you know, as I was starting to write songs, I was hearing all the Beatles songs. I was going, oh, wow, those songs are just fantastic. So it really was a learning curve growing up with 
with uh, Lennon McCartney, you, I couldn't have grown up in a better age to be doing what I'm doing, you know. Did you ever get a chance to talk with any of the Beatles about the impact they had on you as a young man? You know, I never did. I've met uh, Ringo twice, but I, you know, I think you don't bring anything as heavy as that up when you meet some, one of your idols for the first time. I've never met Paul McCartney, but I would love to. And it's funny because both, both Paul McCartney and John Lennon lost their mothers at a very early age. And a similar thing happened to them because I've read their biographies, of course. And I thought that was quite an interesting coincidence. You know, they, they grew up in the, in the suburbs of Liverpool. You know, I grew up in suburbs of Nottingham, very similar scenario. And, and they lost their mother very young. And, and so did I, which had a profound effect, certainly on them. I thought that was a very interesting similarity. They do use a term closure, but I think in your case and in people's cases where they have a loss at an early age, in your case, 10, you don't really ever get closure. You, you integrate it into yourself as an adult, but I don't think you really get total closure or even you don't get closure. No, I, I agree with that. You know, sometimes I sit down and think about it because it's such a long time ago now, but I have uh, great memories of it and before my mother died. And funnily enough, I'm writing kind of my memoirs, so I'm going through that age, uh, that at particular time at the moment that I'm writing down. And it's very interesting to think back and remember things. You, I remember things that I'd thought I'd forgotten. And so it's nice to be able to write them down and go back and visit those times again. But when I came to that, the tragic part of that visit, it was very, uh, it was really shattering for me again because I relived everything but now being an adult I kind of got over it much more quickly but nevertheless I revisited it and it had a, still had a similar effect on me so there is no closure and I think you know every song that I write is maybe getting closer to that closure but I don't think there ever will be any I think it'll I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and uh, but I love it because every time every song I write I think there's a little more steam let go. Sure, and, uh, sure. It, it, it's a nice safety valve for me. You know. Do you, of all the songs you've written, is there one that has the most resonance for you in terms of, not closure per se, but just making the point to yourself about what you went through? Is there, oh, because of, you have so many hits, but is there one that just really, for you personally, not for the fans or for the sales, but just for you, that really the hits home? Yeah, I think All Out of Love fulfills that bill for me, you know. Uh, I mean, I've always loved the song, and it just, it says so much about my style and about Air Supply as a band. I mean, you put that record on, and it's multidimensional. If you want to go a little deeper with it, uh, with the lyrics, you can go there too, you know. It's, I'm, all out of, I'm all out of love, I'm so lost without you. Uh, it's kind of heavy. It's a very heavy song, and it's become our most famous song. You know. One last question about the subject, and, and we'll move on, but I, I was intrigued by your background and your history. In those days, too, you mentioned how you lost your mother without really any advanced warning, and I think in those days, they didn't really tell kids about illnesses the way they do a little bit no. more these days. Oh, absolutely. I had no idea. You know, I knew that my mother was upstairs in bed for uh, pretty much like uh, six weeks or so. But I, at that age, you never say, oh, what's really going on? 
I just thought she had the flu or something. And I and I would go up after school and sit with her on the bed and and read my comics and and she, you know, we'd have a conversation. But then, but now I think about it, those conversations became more and more difficult as she couldn't speak very well. But you know, a child of ten years old, you don't think about that. You don't think, oh, okay, what's going on? You're just worried about what's on the, the television, what's the next comedy show you're going to watch. It was a weird thing. So when it came down one morning, my dad just told myself and my two siblings, who were older than me, and of course that I, it was so difficult to understand. Uh, even when he told me, I thought, well, I don't understand what you're saying, you know. But then when, when I really, when it hit home, I had to uh, go... Um, be on my own and I had to walk I went in, into the garden I remember because they were the crocuses were pushing through the snow and uh, I could see them and there were these beautiful yellows and blues and crimsons of these crocuses coming through the snow and I'll never forget that image uh, but I had to be on my own to to digest it and deal with it and I think that was the beginning of, of me being a bit of a loner you know because I I certainly became that and I'm still that way I like I like my time alone to think about things like that, emotions and, you know, and songs, which for me are all intertwined, you know, words, poetry, songs, uh, all those emotional feelings are all into one basket for me. And it's a basket that I can dive into sometimes and find a few gems and then bring them up to the surface. Well, it's clear it's an essential part of you. And, and that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I appreciate you sharing that with us too. I know it's, it's personal oh, for you. So it is, but thank you. And it, 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 it is nice to discuss it, to talk about it, you know, which I don't do very often. Either. Well, let's take a break and then we'll talk about your current tour. My guest, Graham Russell from air supply recently celebrated 5,000th concert, which took place here in Las Vegas, their new album lost in love experience recorded with the Prague Symphony, and it kicked off their Air Supply Lost in Love Experience tour, bringing them to the Orleans Showroom May 24th through the 26th at 8 p.m. For ticket information, go to orleanscasino.com, and for everything about Air Supply, go to airsupplymusic.com. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You've seen mobsters and cops face off on the big screen. You've heard the legends of Al Capone and Elliot Ness. But how much do you know about what really happened? Dive into the true stories behind the myths of organized crime and law enforcement at the Mob Museum, the country's finest collection of mob artifacts, history, and interactive exhibits. Find out more and get tickets at themobmuseum.org. Now, let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Graham Russell from Air Supply, and the group recently celebrated its 5,000th concert, which took place here in Las Vegas. Their new album, Lost in Love Experience, recorded with the Prague Symphony, has kicked off their Air Supply Lost in Love Experience tour, bringing them to the Orleans showroom May 24th through the 26th at 8 p.m. For ticket information, go to orleanscasino.com. And for everything about Air Supply, go to airsupplymusic.com. And Graham, you obviously had been working and performing and creating and writing before you met Russell Hitchcock. And 
I'd like yeah. to, I'd like to yes, pick it up. And so there was that, that period of time. And because we only have about 15 minutes, I want to kind of bring us up to the current. You're, you're clearly joining together with Russell in 1973. So how would you define your relationship before Air Supply with Russell? Because you guys were in a play together. And as you mentioned earlier, you, you like to be alone, but you also have a partner. And he obviously respects your time together and your, your time alone as well. Yeah, well, when we met, uh, it was quite a revealing experience, you know, because this Russell was sitting next to me, and I didn't even know what his name was. When the, everybody in Superstar, when the first choral vocal session happened, and they, suddenly there's 35 people singing the same thing, singing Jesus Christ Superstar, and it was like earth-shattering. It sounded so incredible. And then there was this guy next to me that was Russell, and... I just heard this incredible voice and he was just, he was a tenor, you know, and I'm a baritone and he had this great voice and it was clear, pristine, his pitch was perfect. And I thought, wow. And then I, we introduced each other, you know, because we were both really excited to be in the show. This is the first day. And, uh, you know, we discovered we both loved the Beatles uh, we were born, Russell's a year older than me, but we were born three days apart. We had the same name. So we had this thing going on. There were these similarities. And then we sat next to each other in the boys' chorus room. And, you know, I had my guitar. So I was always singing songs. And Russell would ask me, he would say, what's that song? Because it, it would be a, an original song, one of mine. And I'd say, oh, it's, a, it's called Love and Other Bruises, you know, as an example. And he, he learned it, and he start, we started to sing it together. And people would come by our dressing room, um, but there were like 15 guys in there. And they would say, wow, you guys sound really good together. And then we started to take notice, and we realized that we did sound really good together. Our harmonies were beautiful, but we never worked at them. It, it was just a natural thing. And we never said, oh, you sing this, and I'll sing that. I just sang the song, and Russell just jumped in. So suddenly we were singing together and and one of us said, well, why don't we try and do, play in some club after the show, which is what we did. We got little shows, acoustic shows at these folk clubs and wherever we could after the show, using the superstars' uh, fame to get in there, you know, and uh, which we did. And, and we worked a lot. We worked after the superstar and we got this little following, you know, so then we made a record and everything changed once we made a record in, in the pit with the, we used the superstars, musicians, the drummer, the keyboard player and the bass player. And we made a little demo and we took it around everywhere. And the last person we went to signed us and we made a record and it came out two weeks later and it went straight to number one. So that was the beginning for us, you know, You've had a long career, both you and Russell. And when you're traveling, and you're traveling a lot, because as I understand it, you perform about 130 concerts each year around the world. Yeah. That's a, that's a heavy schedule. I'm trying to get in my mind, wrap my mind around the fact that you need your time for yourself. You do a lot of writing, as you, we talked about. At the same time, yeah. you're, you're touring. It's a balancing yeah. act, isn't it? You'd be able to integrate all it of It is, but... But one has to remember, when you're touring, you're, you're traveling a lot and you're moving. Like uh, sitting on planes, for instance. I mean, uh, three days ago, we came back from Auckland, New Zealand, and that was like a 24-hour uh, travel day. So I, I'm 
I'm on my own and I'm looking out the window of the plane and I have a lot of that time. You know, I'll put my headphones on and I can work on songs there and in, in that space. And I actually kind of enjoy that those those times because I get a lot of work done and I'm not disturbed, you know. And we, we have a lot of that. We have a lot of time sitting in airports or sitting on, on coaches or in cars and vans. So I make use of that time. And I always, I don't just want to sit there and be on my phone all the time. I like to work because there's things in my head that I need to write down and that's constant. Uh, but, but I love it at the same time. It keeps me so busy and engaged, you know, plus being a songwriter in the band, I have to be 10 steps ahead of everybody, you know, because when it comes time to record an album, an EP, or, or even just a single, I've got to have the songs ready to go. And so I, I'm several steps ahead of everybody, you know. So at any moment when our manager or Russell might say, oh, should we make an album? And I'll say, yep, yeah, okay, it's ready, it's ready to go. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And, and that's what we do. So I'm always, I've always got to be one step ahead, you know. If you travel by yourself and you're flying, for example, do you end up being bothered by people that want to talk to you about you or Russell or the group? Or are you able to, as you say, put your, your earphones on and be able to sit there and just write without anybody bothering you? Yeah. You know, sometimes people say hello, but these, these in modern travel times as we're in now, very few people communicate. You know, the people sit in their seats in their, on the planes and like me, they'll put the headphones on. And I think they too, they want to get into their own world. A lot of people watch movies now, and I do occasionally, but I much prefer to to work and to write things down because there's so much that I see around me that I want to write down, So and it allows me to do that. But occasionally someone will, will start a conversation, which is really a great thing. You know, quite recently, actually, a guy sat next to me, and I didn't know him, and, he, and we had this incredible conversation for an hour, after which... I knew I was going to write a song about what he told me, and I did. And now it's one of our most popular songs in the show. And uh, it's called Son of the Father. And he he said to me, he said, you know, when I was was born, my dad died at the same moment in a a conflict in another country. So he was in the the forces. And I kind of related to that straight away. So I, I was plugged in. And we had this great conversation. And I was making mental notes. And the next day I went, I wrote this song called Son of the Father. And so that's an example of how I can, how I, how I like to turn things around and listen and watch and then use that as ingredients to song. Yeah, I think it's also a form of connection when you have a conversation with someone. In addition to giving you creative yeah. ideas, it, it's also a just being in touch with people occasionally. It doesn't have to be all the time. As you say, you, you like to be alone and uh, I'm similar in that yeah. sense, so I understand what you're saying. This may be an overly technical question, but I'm intrigued by by the concept. So because of the amount of writing you do on the downtime, and I understand it totally, and somehow you're able to cope with jet lag, that I that I never could understand, But because <laughs> you're going all over <laughs> oh, the world. Yeah. Yeah, I, had, I had a rough time this week coming yeah. back from New Zealand. You know, it's funny. You always think, oh, yeah, I'm over it. I'm not going to get it this time, but it always gets it. There's no way out. And <laughs> even though you do everything you're supposed to do, like, you know, drink lots of water on the flight, try and sleep, uh, it's, it always gets you in the end. Yeah, it, so. it, it's, it's nature. 
But I was curious about whether when you are writing, uh, generally, I know that there's always exceptions, but are you writing by hand or are you using a computer or how do you normally, when you're traveling, not so much at home, but if you're traveling, how you handle the yeah. creative process? You know, if I'm, if I'm traveling or if I'm in a hotel room and I travel, I have a guitar with me. You know, I'm, I do it the old school way. I'll, if I'm writing a song or singing and playing a song, I know it's going to happen really fast because that's just the way I work. So I'll sing it into my phone. And so usually I have the whole song in my phone in a rough form. I love the different pieces and I record them. Then I, I name them and then I put them all together. So it's kind of old school just singing into your phone. But it really works for me because that initial uh, melody that I sing into the phone is, is the one that I use. And usually it's a little unusual, but then I have to learn it. But I, I'm very aware that the first instance when I sing it is the right one. And then I go back and I listen. I go, wow, that's an unusual melody, but I need to. And then I, I learn it for real. But if I was to write that down, it wouldn't have the nuances that I, that I need. And the way I'm singing it, impossible to write down. Right. The emotion, too, that you are able to create. Exactly. Yeah. You can't it. write emotions down. They have to be there, you know. Yeah. I think that you said old school. I think that's new school. Old school, I'm thinking you were writing with pen and paper, but the fact that you're using your phone to sing it to, that's pretty new school to me. I guess it is, yeah. But yeah. a lot of people have travel with computers and computer programs. But it's, it's, I, I did that for a while, but it's too slow for me. By the time I boot my computer up and I get the program up, the idea's gone. Right. So it has to be right. instant for me. And uh, so I always have my phone. And I just sing into it. You know, and I'm, I don't care where I am. If I know there's a n- nice melody or a song idea, if I'm, I'll just get my phone out and sing into it, you know. Yeah, they're not <laughs> going to say what people say. They're not going to come and arrest you. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> and, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and a phone is a computer, so there you go. It's just a smaller version. You know, so. you're so right. It is, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. I'm using a microcomputer. Exactly, yeah. exactly. The other thing that has intrigued me is that you're English and Russell Hitchcock is Australian, so can you understand each other? There's two different languages there. Oh yeah, we have you know we have our little secret language and our jokes about the. We both make fun of of the English language and the Australian one, you know, <laughs> uh, because we both live in in the US now. Right. So we make fun of that all the time, and it's quite funny. You know, we have a lot of comedy between us, and I think that's part of the real gem of our relationship. We just make fun of everything. But when it comes down to work, uh, it gets serious, you know, like we, we run a very tight group on the road and it, ha- it has to be that way. We have a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, but everybody, you know, the band and the crew, they're all top notch and they know when that switch goes on, uh, it's work time and they do their job better than anybody that I can imagine. You know, we're just a great, a really tight little unit on the road. Yes, you're not serious about yourself. You're serious about the work, and that's important, whether it's writing or on stage. When that switch goes on and you're out there, everything's got to work. Yeah. The show has to go on. So, Yeah, and they know that, and we always go on on time. And, uh, you know, it's very, it's not a military, but it's kind of like that. You know, we do a vocal at the same time. So as you're leading up to the show, we get called, we get an hour call, we get 45, 30, then 15, then 5. So it's like that. It's like a military operation. So because we want to go on on time, people pay a lot of money to see shows and they deserve 
to be treated with respect and not be kept waiting. And, and we want to put on the best show we, we can, you know. Before I let you go, how many times have you guys performed in Las Vegas? Oh, well, we've been at the Orleans for, I think, 24 years. That's incredible. And, yeah, it is, isn't it? We play, we do it twice a year, Memorial Day and Labor Day, and we've done it for 24 years. So it's become our little home in Vegas. And, you know, we love the Orleans because it's off the strip and it's a lot of locals there and we sell it out every time. But the people there backstage and the staff are, are first class. And of course, we've known them a long time. So it's like going home every for twice a year. Plus, we love being there. We do three shows and it's nice to be somewhere for three or four days, you know. Yeah, get off, get off the road or the air for a while anyway, yeah. No, it makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, it's nice to have our feet to stop moving, we call it. <laughs> nice to be somewhere and not move, not moving. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great way to end it. My guest has been Graham Russell from Air Supply. And the group recently celebrated its 5,000th concert, which took place here in Las Vegas. Their new album, Lost in Love Experience, recorded with the Prague Symphony, has kicked off their Air Supply Lost in Love Experience tour. It's bringing them to the Orleans showroom May 24th through the 26th at 8 p.m. For ticket information, go to orleanscasino.com. And for everything about Air Supply, go to airsupplymusic.com. And Graham, thanks for being on the show. It's my pleasure, Ira. Great interview. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Hey,